1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In 1877, the earth moved with the power of a footballing giant. And the world was introduced to the beautiful game. People might yet win it here for Wolves. Blasting the shot. What a goal! Bully's the hero again. And a podcast is following the giant in its bid for glory at the top of what it created all those years ago. This is the 77 Club. Hello and welcome to episode 95 of the 77 Club. Harry, we'll start with the socials. At 77 Club Podcast on Twitter, The Wall 77 Club on Instagram and Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, please rate and subscribe. And Jack Williams is here. Hello there, everybody. Uh, no Bayliss tonight. He's gone to the RNLI Christmas party. He says he has to go because they always push the boat out. Now, <laughs> we start with actually Braga. We've got seven days of games to catch up with, which is three. Uh, Harry, we were surprised when the team came out. It was full strength from Nuno, Patricio and Gold, Dendonka, Cody, Sace, Doherty, Neves, Matinho, Johnny, Traore, Jimenez and Jota. I was actually, because I think we did the podcast, didn't we, the day before, I believe, and we all thought he was going to switch it about, ready for the game on the weekend. So I think Nuno saw that 6,000 Wolves fans had gone there, seen they'd been knocked about by the standard Liège fans a bit and thought, let's give them something to cheer about and they start the strongest team. And it was all going to plan, wasn't it? But the result in the end was what we wanted. That draw has got us through to the knockout rounds. And Jack, you said that, well, definitely in previous podcasts, that there were occasions this season, especially the last couple of games, where we hadn't been closing out games quite as well as we should have been. And it came to sort of bite us on the arse for this one. 
Yeah, well, that was an absolute prime example of that, really, and uh, quite frustrating from our point of view. Obviously, the conditions were really bad. The pitch was really bad. And we went a goal down to a deflected goal very early on. So there was a lot against us. And then to come back and really be absolutely running the show for the rest of that first half and go into position of being absolutely comfortable, 3-1 until, you know, you know 60-something minutes or whatever it was into the second half. And then something happens and we just, out of nowhere before we know it it's 3-3 and we've been sucker punched and I think the reason Nuno played at such a surprisingly strong team is not just because of the Wolves fans I think he actually really did want to win the group obviously winning the group is uh you know um gives us a more favorable draw on paper in the next round and I think that was the plan was to go there and win particularly after Braga turned us over at Molyneux sort of a you know an unlikely event there so I think all in all I agree. I think the result is what we needed. We're through. We're fighting on various fronts at the moment. So, you know, it's a testament to how well we've done with a particularly small squad. But we threw that game away. Certainly did, didn't we, Harry? And it was a bit of a shame to see it because, like Jack said, winning that group just sets you apart from everybody else, makes such a difference. One thing I would say is obviously a lot of Wolves fans um, putting up with quite a lot of trouble whilst Mm. they're out there, which was horrible to see missing the first 20 minutes some of them were outside in the rain people were getting things confiscated off them like umbrellas and you think well, okay fair enough an umbrella but people were losing their shoes and phone charges it's just ridiculous to see it but um i think the club today actually time recording which is wednesday have announced that they have reported <laughs> uh, an official complaint to uefa over the treatment of fans who were trying to get into the braga game last week so They say that the club has received an unprecedented number of complaints from supporters who were left disappointed, distressed, and in some cases injured. Mm. Do you think anything will be done, though, Jack? No, probably not. They'll probably fine us or fine Wolves and somehow (laughs) for uh, breaking the uh, umbrella, UEFA umbrella protocol at a game um, or something like that. Having too many umbrellas there and then throw the book at us. It's mad. I think we briefly said this last time. I mean, like the majority of Wolves fans chose that game as their one to go to. It absolutely pissed out the the whole few days. They got battered by the police. They got battered by standard Liège fans. One Wolves fan bottled another Wolves fan. It turned out to be a little bit of a disaster, but after half an hour on the pitch, Wolves are 3-1 up. It was a weird game, wasn't it? I'm sure we all watched it, didn't we? It was a weird pitch. It was all boggy. Um, that deflection, that was uh, Neves' best mate, wasn't it? Who scored that? That was weird. Mm. Neves' best mate. And then we're 3-1 up, half hour gone. I'm thinking, here we go. It's uh, it's going to be all right. And then, like you say, we did throw it away, but it was kind of weird because you had to be happy that we'd got the draw to get us through to the knockout stages. But a strange one for them Wolves fans. And I do feel for some of them, especially you missed the first half hour because that was the most entertaining part of the game. But fair play to the Wolves fans. They were in good noise. Not much of an atmosphere behind the goals, I thought, for that game. <laughs> uh, a bit strange to yeah. see, yeah. Very rocky. But, yeah, yeah, yeah very, rocky. very rocky. Um, but Wolves <laughs> do remain unbeaten away from home in European competition this season, winning five games and drawing once. Braga are unbeaten in 12 in all competitions. So I guess, I think at the beginning of the group, we, we actually probably thought Besiktas would go through alongside Wolves, but Braga probably would, would have been the second shout. But there's obviously still a chance to win the group, but we're obviously waiting on the results of the Bratislava-Braga game, aren't we, Jack? Um, yes, we are. I've you know, It'll be difficult 
for us because we're unsure obviously what team we'll play at home against Besiktas for me now even if we win that game there's a strong chance we might not win the group so it looks like particularly with the aggressive fixture list we've got coming up you'd probably want a second string out and just say look we'll take the look of the draw and we'll we'll take one of the tasty ties in the round of 32 and we shouldn't be scared of anybody really so I think that might be the approach Nuno takes but we'll have to see um also I know this is quite a strange thing when you're talking about a team who is above you in the group at the moment and unbeaten in 12 I don't think Braga are that good really. no I, I agree with that I don't think I don't think that good I think they've probably done us on we've been quite probably unlucky on both occasions we played them and obviously they've been consistent against the other teams in the group as well but you know, if if it got to it and we ended up playing them in it later on in the tournament, I'd be very happy, particularly as it would have to be past the last sixteen stage. And obviously, to get that third goal, you know, it was a bit of a sucker punch, wasn't it? Especially from Barbosa, who was actually incredible in Pirates of the Caribbean as well. So <laughs> to make that second uh, career, you, you love to see it. Uh, Harry, you look like you're about to say something. Then. No, I just find that funny. Yeah. <laughs> a good game for Matt Doherty, though. Harry uh, chipped in with a goal, and yeah. actually, really good record for him because he scored eleven goals for Wolves since the start of last season, and only Jimenez with. 32 and Jota with 14 have netted more for the club over that period there you go yeah so that was probably a pick of the bunch his goal great cross by Jimenez by the way and a yeah. good taken header and also the first goal Jimenez's goal a rare left footed cross by Johnny to set him up and then Traore's goal the keeper probably should have saved it but still another good move and you know we're, we're doing well going forward aren't we we all seem to score but it's just at the back we need to tighten up a little bit was there a man of the match for you Jack I will go with just because you just said him Doherty, and it was a good little, uh, good-headed goal. I'll um, I'll give it to Jimenez because he got a goal and two assists. So, just for that, I'll give it Jimenez. And just before, obviously, the final group game, do you think Wolves will finish second in the group, Harry? Yeah, I think uh, Braga will beat Slovan, so it don't really matter if we beat Pasiktas. I think we will finish second. I'm not bothered anymore. I'm over it now. I think let's just finish second, and then because you, if you think about all those teams that we could play nobody will want to play us they'll be most terrified of getting if you're going to play a, a, a second place Europa League team uh, or second, a team that finished second in the Europa, Europa League group stage those teams particularly the Champions League teams and the bigger teams will definitely not want us they'll be terrified so yeah. let's do it Perfect. Right, okay, we will move on to Premier League action. It was Sheffield United at Molyneux Hi, I'm George Lukobi. You're listening to the Wolves 7-7 Club So a 1-1 draw in the Premier League against Sheffield United. He was going to be forced into a change old Nuno as Sace was suspended. So just a quick rundown of that team. Uh, It's just basically Kilman coming in for Sace. And I thought, actually, Harry, he didn't look out of place, did he? No, um, out of the three defenders on the day, he probably made the best performance. Dendonka looked a bit shaky, especially early on. Cody had a few dodgy moments and... Yeah, he was the best player. And when we went 1-0 down after, what was it, 50 seconds, a minute? I thought, oh, yeah. God. Because going into it, I was quite worried because Sheffield United, obviously flying. We we discussed it on the podcast last week. And they're very well organised. They set up well. They play a similar formation to us. So I knew it would be quite tough. But they were very dirty. Um, and we were very poor first half, I thought. But second half, we grew into it a lot. And... Towards the end, you could argue we could have nicked it after getting the equaliser, but before we scored, they could have got a second or so. I think McGoldrick went through a few times. So mm. all in all, I think a draw was fair, but on another day, we could have nicked it. And our mate, David Coote, the referee, had a nightmare. He gave out more bookings than Celine Dion. So he, and he should have given a second booking for that one on Jota as well. So the referee was absolutely terrible. 
he did bottle it, didn't he, Jack? We've teamed up with you, Ref, and I think the uh, caption was catastrophe. And <laughs> I think we've got a second that, haven't we? I yeah. I mean, the one that springs to mind is the one that Harry just mentioned then, which would be that uh, the Jota um, one where he just got brought down. And he'd given so many bookings throughout the thing. I didn't go on Sunday actually. I watched it. Uh, I watched it on on the a stream. But um, Ian Dowie was uh, Ian Dowie was the uh, co-commentator on that. And he basically spent the whole game saying, that's not a foul, that's not a foul, bloody hell, that's soft, that's soft. And the only one he said was a booking was that one that wasn't given as a booking. Oh, much. Yeah. So um, um, that shows you how bad it was. And he did just bottle it really. But thinking about the game, I think we were, I suppose, last 15 minutes, they came at us and our midfield was just nowhere at times. They were they were second to every ball when it broke. And they got some lucky breaks as well. But they just seemed to want it more, particularly in the first half. If we'd have gone in at half-time, two or three nil down, I don't think we could have complained really. So we did well to get it back in the second half. I kept thinking that we have to just ride the storm out here because they will tire. And they did sort of tire, I think, last 15, 20 minutes. And we looked the most likely team to go on and win it. But they're a decent team and they should be very proud of that because they gave us a, a massive scare. And I, arguably, we were lucky to get a point out of that game in the end. And obviously... Matt Doherty got the goal. An emotional game for him, obviously. A Benicophobe, heartbroken after the death of his daughter, who's aged just two, Amora. She died on the Friday, and when Doherty scored, he kissed his black armband. So, obviously, our thoughts go out to Benicophobe at this incredibly difficult time for him. And uh, I know a lot of the football world have been getting together. And cause he seems to have made a lasting impression on whichever club he's he's been to, hasn't he, Harry? Yeah. He's obviously an incredible person and still best friends with Doty. Yeah, and also like Jack Wilshere, his best mates, we've said a few things. And I thought um, Madison's gesture was really good as well. Yeah. It's absolutely terrible what happened. Doherty was always going to score after something like that, as you say, the best mates. But yeah, I loved the phobia. I mean, you think back to like 2015, Dicko, Afobi, Sacco, that lethal strike strike force we had. And then obviously he come back and help us, helped us get promoted. And at the time, I remember wanting him to stay, but that's another story. And it was good to see his name sung, the South Bank, and obviously everyone else joined in on the 20th minute to show our support for him. Absolutely. And just back to the game, Jack, it was a bit of a VAR nightmare. For us in the ground, it's difficult to know what's going on because of there's that lack of communication going on between VAR and fans inside the stadium because I think Harry they were checking red cards when no one knew why they were <laughs> yeah. checking a red card and it only came up once it had completed it's just a strange situation VAR just isn't hitting the spot yet is it no it's not other grounds as well I think at Old Trafford most notably they try they have like a voice saying what's going on whereas we just have a screen don't yeah. we and then and then we're looking up at the screen and if someone presses the wrong button on the screen um, then we just we're none the <laughs> we got someone's powerpoint yeah, so like, for the Monday meeting coming to just in memory there was three I can remember the two uh, penalty checks which one of them was when Jota went through and he was offside and he got took out, which I don't know why they even checked that. That confused me. And there was one as well where I think a Sheffield United player went in for a tackle. It seemed like a decent enough tackle. I think he got the ball, but it was a bit of a lunge. And then like about a minute later, he just stopped and said, checking red card. So like, he just, it's yeah, so confusing, strange. VAR. The people, everyone in the stadium just looks up and they're like, what? Like they need to have like, we need to see what they're checking. The people in the grounds, you know, what's going on? I suppose if you're watching it on telly, you'll have an idea because the commentators will let you know. But it's a, it's still an absolute farce. And if they don't get rid of it after this season, I'm going to be very disappointed. And Jack as well, Wolves were the first Premier League side since April to not make any substitutes as well, with Catrone only playing one minute in the league up to that point against Sheffield United. Is this showing a... 
well, which one is it? Is it uh, a trust of character of the starting eleven, or is it a lack of options on the bench? I think I know which one it is. It's definitely a lack of options on the bench, and it sort of sort of shows how um, you know it sort of shows a lack of trust in in Nuno's team that you're going to put players on or keep them on to the end against a team that are tiring and not make any changes. Granted, we were clicking at that point, and we seemed to be you know like there there could have been another goal coming, a second goal coming, but it wasn't to be. But then again, again, it's hard to make that judgment when we watched the game last night and a substitute came on and changed, you know, ideally scored the goal that put the game to bed. So I, I do think definitely, and I think Nuno's come out this week as well and said that um, he's going to sign players in January. And when you look at our bench lately and with the injury to Bolly and various other, and Bennett as well, who's been out for a few games, when you look at our bench and think who's going to come on and change this when you've got all your first team on the pitch, there's not many players who can do that really. And I think that's, that's there for everyone to see. I think we need particularly now we're going further in Europa League and we're going to want an FA Cup campaign again, which hopefully, you know, we can go far in that as well. We're going to need to bring in a couple of two or three players just to at least fill those bench spots and be better than the cover we've got. Harry, it's a terrible time to be a left-back coming to Molyneux, isn't it? And (laughs) O'Connell proved to be the latest to add to that list. Traore again having a fantastic game. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good game. The way that Sheffield United set up as well, every time he got the ball and he ran down the wing, it seemed like they had three blokes on him, but he just kept getting past them and getting the ball in the box, especially first half. I mean, the bloke's just incredible. It is, like you say, an absolute nightmare to mark him. He's strong, quick. He's still... A bit of a loose cannon, but he's way more improved than last year. And like I said a million times on this podcast, he's my player of the season so far. And yeah, if it weren't for him on the day, him and him and Jimenez, I thought Jota had a bit of a quiet game. He's running down cold, he sacks again, losing the ball. But him and Jimenez together were our only threat. And I think 80% of our attacks come down the right because people look up, see Trey or I give it him and they know something's going to happen. And Jack, there was an old man sat next to me, uh, grey hair, <laughs> shouting that Traore needs to dive more. I think his name was George. Um, and it, does he have a point? Does he need to go down easier? I mean, it is cheating. Maybe, but kind of the thing that makes Traore so so refreshing compared to other wingers is that he'll, he wants to stay up and he wants to just fight and charge past you using his amazing upper body strength. I do think he gave the ball away quite a few times, particularly in the first half, though, on the game on Sunday. But um, nobody's perfect. So does he need to go down more? Again, it's just it's it goes back to his footballing brain. It's knowing when to release the ball. And it's just as much in the modern game, knowing when to go down when it's a favourable position or when there's been enough contact to get a free kick or a penalty. So it's not something you really want to see in his game. And I don't think he's the type of player to do it. I think he rather wants to prove that rather than you take him down, that he can go past you. But obviously when you just get absolutely clattered, it usually means the yellow card. That's very true. And Harry, another one that stood out for me would have been Moutinho. You know, he's Mr. Consistent, isn't he? He's a class act. He's always nicking and taking the ball off the other player and, and getting the move started again. So in, in terms of his contribution, what do you think? Yeah, um, it was quite a tough game for him as well because I thought Sheffield United were good in midfield. So, But hes I've said it before, he's always 8 out of 10 for me, Moutinho. He's a leader on the pitch. He leads by example. He's got so much energy. He's up and down. And when he's not playing, I think the biggest compliment you can give him is you bloody notice we struggle without him. So yeah. absolute genius of a player. And uh, yeah, he's always doing these, doing the stuff. Uh, man, the match for you, Jack, someone that stood out? Um, I think it's fair enough to give it to Max Kilman because he came in and didn't look out of place, did nothing wrong. And I couldn't, can't get to Dendonka. I agree. He looks a bit ropey, probably his ropiest game at uh, when he's been playing in the back. Um, and I thought the midfield got overrun at times. So, yeah, I think, yeah, give it to Kilman. And Patricia had a good game as well, Harry, worth noting. A couple of uh, oh, yeah. good saves there as well. You know, he's saving points. 
Definitely, yeah. There was, like I said earlier, McGoldrick went through a few times and he made a few really important saves. So, But my man of the match will be the man who's always my man of the match these days, Trey Horry. Perfect. Right, OK. We will move on to Premier League action again with West Ham at home. Hi, I'm Steve Ball and you're listening to The 77 Club. West Ham at Molyneux was Wolves' 28th game in all competitions this season, only 15th game of the league season. It was on Amazon Prime, so if you were watching it on Amazon Prime, you would have seen the uh, rainbow fireboxes setting off at Molyneux, um, obviously in support of the LGBT community. Fantastic atmosphere inside Molyneux. It was rocking, wasn't it, Harry? Not really. Um <laughs> We were there, weren't we, Jack? No, it wasn't I mean, I'm not going to go into it again, but the South Bank have been awful this year. I don't want to be negative because we're flying, but yeah, pretty poor atmosphere. I don't know. It must have sounded amazing on telly for you to say that. Was it good on telly? It sounded great on Amazon. Really? You must have turned the microphones up or something. No, um, so no. Why Why is it? Why, why is that? Uh, I mean, we played, I think I think it's the best we've seen us play this season. Well, oh, I, uh, I, don't, I disagree, but I also think it just had a classic midweek yeah. Hard to get up for it, vibe about it. They said there were thirty one and a half thousand there, there. There definitely wasn't. They must be counting season ticket holders who didn't go because there were loads of empty seats scattered about. So obviously, people who probably just couldn't be bothered to make the effort. I was surprised when Harry came in at twenty five to eight. Actually, <laughs> I thought he was definitely not coming because he he hates midweek games. And, and, but yeah, it just seemed it was just a bit. No, nah, like really. on a serious note, the South Bank since the standing rail seating's been put in, they just haven't been loud. As simple as that. It didn't help that the West Ham fans hardly sang either because they were watching a poor team, in my opinion. Well, they were watching so, West Ham. That yeah, was exactly. Like, so, but I don't know. I've I've had that a lot. Like I speak to my dad on the phone after most games, and he'll say to me, "But yeah, the atmosphere is all right, wasn't it?" And I'm sat there thinking, "Nah." Like, I don't know, it might just be me. I'm used to Molyneux being rocking, do you know what I mean? Maybe, particularly because Amazon were doing that thing where you can listen to, rather than to commentary, you can listen to the match atmosphere. So you got surround sound with no commentary just to hear what's going on in the stadium. Maybe they boosted it massively, so it sounded like a lot more prominent yeah. than it was or something. I don't know. Um, there was a change from the side against Sheffield United, and it was the actually the change that was for Sheffield United. Max <laughs> Kilman making way for Romain Sace again, uh, vindicated in that decision. Clean sheet, Harry. Yeah, and he could have had a couple of goals on the night. He yeah, that one header yeah. that went just wide. He had that what, like, that really quick flicking header as well. So yeah, Sace is good, but I'll be honest, I thought he was quite harsh on Kilman because, like I mentioned a minute ago, he's probably our best defender against Sheffield United. So. Yeah, but you've got to bring Sace back in. He is one of our better players that we've got. And yeah, like you say, clean sheet, which feels like the first clean sheet in bloody ages. Yeah, I was going to, I did ask what, what, when we were watching the game, what was our last clean sheet? Because I couldn't remember. Do we know? Ooh, I think in the, the, in the, in the Premier League. Six away, is that what we said? Well, obviously in the, in the Europa League, League, it's a lot. In, in the league, was it? No, Watford. It would have been Watford. Yeah, the 2-0 win against Watford, I think. The 2-0, think. yeah, that's right. Sorry. You're right. Maybe. But yeah, we haven't had many this season when, you know, we... Last season, you know, we had some very uh, good defensive performances and kept more clean sheets than that. To so. be fair, like, we haven't we had Bolly, have we? So that's been a big That's the factor. difference, I think, yeah. isn't it, really, when you think about it. Because I was saying, even against Sheffield United, you know, you just can't wait to get him back mm. and back into that side. But then I... Dead really, I know we were, Exactly. So, what, I mean, what, you, what would you do 
when he does come back in straight back he, in he, he's he, got to go he straight, back, straight back, in. back in I would say where, where would he come straight the back right in? side for me because if you think back to Besiktas um, away the 1-0 win Bolly played on the right side of the defence that day he was unreal he's played there in a couple of league games I just like the balance of it I like it when Sace is on the left of his left foot Bolly on the right of his right foot I just love it so that's what I'd do when he comes back in terms of uh, the importance of the win Back up to fifth in the league. Harry, it's still like pinch yourself territory, isn't it? Especially at this point of the season. Yeah, and because of the kind of bad start we had at the beginning when we kept drawing, I think Wolves fans aren't really appreciating it. Like It's mad what we're doing, especially with the small squad we've got. And obviously we didn't make a substitution the other day. And the way we've just come and gradually ground out results and kept winning and drawing and cope with the Europa League, it is absolutely crazy. And what are we, six points off Chelsea in fourth? If we can keep digging out these results, I mean, like Jack mentioned on the podcast the other week, we're always in game. So even if we do go 1-0 down, we can always sneak out a result. So I think if we make the right signings in January, we could pip into that top four. And also just on the note of the clean sheets, it would have been City away on the 6th of October, oh, yeah. which was the last oh, Of course it would, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, the, all, the, the one probably fixture of the season that you wouldn't think would be a clean sheet <laughs> is the one that we've forgotten is. Uh, so... Yeah, great performance. Um, what do you think of West Ham? Just thought they were a bit dirty. I didn't know what they were doing. I think they gave up after 75 minutes. They were poor. I thought I thought they were very poor. And to come in on th- off the back of such a good result at the weekend, winning away at Chelsea, I thought they offered offered very little. I thought uh, Pellegrini's comments at the end were weird as well because he said that they he thought they dominated the second half and that wasn't the game I watched because I think really they had two chances in the whole game. The one was a long-range shot that Patricio saved, which was down the Snot other end grass. to us. And Snodgrass's, which was an over-the-top free ball, which I thought was offside, but watching it back wasn't. And obviously, Snodgrass just absolutely bottled it. So <laughs> that was—he he was so Maybe, good that yeah. he, you know he had a had a one-on-one that he didn't only miss; he then injured himself try in the process of missing it. <laughs> so then he had to yeah. walk past the North Bank. Remember? Oh, whammy. Got, got dogs abuse. But, uh, yeah, West yeah. West Ham are not much good, and they weren't much good when they came to New last season. I didn't think. No, I think that's a good point. Do, do you think they'll be safe from relegation? I think there's probably three teams in that league that are worse. Yeah, I think they'll be safe. I mean, they've had a few injuries. I think one of their best players is Antonio, and he, I'm just so glad when I found out he was injured. So they'll be all right. But I don't know how long Pellegrini will last. I think that one 0 win away saved his job for a little bit. I'm really happy though that we actually sort of saw a game out and won in the end. The last five, ten minutes were at least comfortable. I know we probably should have scored a second goal earlier and put it to bed, but... And also, after what we touched on earlier, it's nice to see a substitute or two substitutes (laughs) come on off the bench and link up for that decisive goal, really. Well, he likes... He loves pizza. He loves the pasta, Harry. And, you know, there were tears running down his face. I think he'd said this week that he'd been watching videos of Steve Bull constantly working (laughs) hard in training. And that's paid off hasn't it yeah I mean since he's come in since I first saw him play Catrone I've loved him because I just love players who have a lot of effort I know it's old I know it's like Mick McCarthy standard but I just love it and he's passionate he works hard it hasn't really worked out for him too much I mean I think back to Braga at home in the Europa League where he missed a few sitters but when he put that goal in I was so happy for him and the emotion on him the Italians are bloody passionate aren't they and I think that moment right there could be a turning point because he's probably endeared himself to the whole Wolves fan base and let's hope when he gets his opportunity again he takes it because he's a likeable bloke and I think he's good enough I think he's got the quality good finish as well wasn't it yeah I think it was like a bully finish though wasn't it I think yeah. you've got to say, you can tell that he must have been going oh actually if I kick it like that it will just go in the bottom corner um, man the match Jack um, tough it is a one. tough one isn't I th- it yeah I think 
Declan Rice. Cle- clean, no, clean sheet. <laughs> look, clean sheet. Look at the defence. I thought Sais was very good, and you know, if he'd have got a goal, I'd probably have definitely given it to Sais. Um, I thought Jota just kept running into things again. He's just, mm. I don't know what's going on at the moment, but he just, he's releasing too late still. He keeps running in. It's like he's trying a bit too hard because he's just desperate to get a goal, I think, mm. or make the difference. So, yeah. um, substituted well when they came on. But Jimenez was great as well. He's so strong. But I'm just listening to the team now. So I will say Adama Traore. And <laughs> Harry. No, I'm going to give it to, it is a tough one because. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Jean Martinho because I thought he worked his bloody socks off. That's just popped into my head when you said it. Classic 8 out of 10. Perfect, right. We will move on to Premier League action again. This time it will be Brighton. The away perspective. What have our opponents got to say? Joined now by Graham. He's a season ticket holder at the Amex. Graham, how's it going to begin with? Uh, good, thank you. Yeah, good. Much fun being had by all down at the Amex at the moment. I bet. And is it is it a good thing being called Graham down there at the moment as well? <laughs> do you know what? As sad as that sounds, I, I did think that when he was confirmed our manager. I'm like, oh, do you know what? Someone called Graham is the Brighton manager. That's just, you know. yeah. It's okay when cool. it's going well, but I suppose if it's going badly and everyone's calling Graham a wanker. Uh, and just like yeah, that's around true. Like do you know what? Yeah, it wouldn't be unheard of for the start. Yeah, it's um, when your mates go, he is actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for the moment, for the moment, you know, we'll, yeah, we're okay. Now, it's been a pretty indifferent start, I think you'd probably agree, to the season for Brighton. I think Graham Potter has changed a lot of, of style of play since he came in. And just how would you reflect on those first sort of 14, 15 games of the season? Uh, it's interesting, actually. I think generally, if you'd ask most Brighton fans, they'd actually be pretty positive about it because uh, personal opinion was when we heard about the sacking of Chris Hutton and getting a new manager in a new style of play. My personal opinion was the way it was going with Hutton was probably we'd end up getting relegated on about 28 points. And with a new manager, it'd be great. It'd be a different style of play, a bit more attacking, a bit more adventurous. We'd probably end up going down on about 28 points. That was <laughs> that was pretty much what the expectation was for everyone. So to be honest, we've been pleasantly surprised because there's been a new style of play, which has been good. But also, we don't really feel that we've had value from from our performances. You know, we 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 kind of the, the general feeling is that the the style of play and the performances have deserved more than we've got. Um, so generally, I think most people are quite happy the way it's going. But a little bit um, that the table's so tight and a, a couple of defeats in a row means you're right down in the relegation zone again. And there's there's still a, a nervousness a little bit that. We, we don't really know what to expect by the end of the season. Now, obviously, at time of recording, the Arsenal game hasn't happened yet. But yeah. otherwise, in terms of the run of uh, games, you've got uh, Wolves away, obviously, Crystal Palace at home, uh, Sheffield United at home, and also Tottenham in there too. It, it, this is quite a tough run of games, isn't it? Because all of those sides are actually in 7th, 5th, 8th and ninth. Yeah, and to be honest, it's come, a, come after a run of games that is just as difficult because... Um, I think after 11 games we were on I think 15 points but the next four games were Man United away Leicester at home Liverpool away and Arsenal away and I was thinking well look I I don't expect any points out of those games and we'll probably be on 15 points after 15 games I didn't really look much further than that and we've obviously lost the first three of those games we've got Arsenal later and the likelihood is to be honest, we, we, we might okay, we might get a point or something, but likelihood is we're going to be where I thought we would be. But yeah, you're right, looking ahead to the next games, it doesn't really get much easier. 
um, which is why there's still that sort of nervousness that, okay, we're doing okay, but it could very easily slip into, well, yeah, performing well, but if you're not getting the points and you suddenly get sucked in and confidence goes and the crowd get edgy and it just, you know, a bit snowballs from there. So, yeah, it's, it's, but then you look at the, you think, well, a win tonight and we're right back possibly up into 11th again. So just a point behind Arsenal. So it's, it's just one of those leagues and one of those seasons and um, where you just, one or two results going either way make a massive difference. How does Graham Potter set up against Wolves, do you reckon, dealing with that pace of someone like Adama Traore? Well, to be honest, it's quite funny because it's almost like playing a bit uh, line-up bingo um, for Brighton this year because uh, under Hewton, for instance, you could pretty much get 10 of the 11 uh, right every week about who will be playing and what style of play and what formation and what we were going to do and how we were going to set up and we were effective at it. But this year, in all honesty... You, you don't know what's going to happen from week to week in terms of what the formation's going to be. Is it going to be three at the back, four at the back? What style of play? Um, even within a, a um, even within those formations, there are lots of variations, and he often changes mid-game. So, to be honest, we we're often really surprised when we see the team sheet. We're really surprised. It takes me about ten minutes from the game starting to work out what's <laughs> in all seriousness we're talking amongst the crowd well hold on a minute Solly March is playing right up there he's playing there what, what's happening oh I see he's playing Dan Burn as a wing back what's going on you know so it's a yes. bit like that but ha- having <laughs> having said all that um, he, he we seem to get better throughout a game so it, you know the first half tends to be fairly even and then especially the home games we just think actually do you know what we've, we've worked out you know he's changed it through the course of a game and tweaked the formation slightly he's seen where the spaces are and what we can exploit and he, he seems to be quite astute at that so um, we, we're I'm afraid I can't just sit here and give you yeah I'm, I'm going to know what that first team's going to be because genuinely we, we're surprised every time the, the team sheet gets announced What would you play? What would be your starting 11? Um, it, if it was me it's a bit horses for courses I think um, where we've struggled this year, a little bit this year is um, we've been really competitive and we've given it a go against the better teams um, and it's worked well against Tottenham because they were going through a bit of a power patch and, and we, we did really well against them but um, generally against the Liverpool away United away Chelsea away Leicester at home and I think it'd be the same with you guys um, we're a bit susceptible I think we, we, we're quite um, proactive we, we uh, try and get numbers forward and it leaves us a little bit exposed we're not quite as organised at the back as we were under Hewton if I would guess um, against the footballing teams he, t- he tends to play um, uh, rather than Shane Duffy who's been a stalwart for us for, for, for the last couple of years he um, tends to play more ball playing centre backs um, to try and bring out for defence and Stan Byrne six foot seven um, uh, defender that we rely on to bring the ball out Dunk's really good on the ball um, Adam Webster's come in and he's good on the ball. So he usually plays those three centre-backs. It's just difficult to know whether sometime Dan Byrne plays as a left-back or as a as one of the three, and he t- tends to mix it up. But I, I suspect those three are play. Um, I suspect Montoya as a as a full-back, straight wing-back will play. And then it'll be... He usually goes with David Proffer and Dale Stevens. They're, they're two stalwarts. There's a guy called Stephen Elzate who's a young player, um, very good on the ball, very technical, that has done very well. Um, but I suspect he'll be on the bench and it'll be someone like Pascal Gross, Aaron Moy, and then um, one of the front guys. He, he tended to go for Aaron Connolly these days, who's um, a young Irish lad from the youth team that's done brilliantly. 
um, and is a real threat in behind and, and makes great runs in behind. But, you know, it could be Neil Morpé. We've got Glenn Murray on the bench a lot. He's about 701 years old, isn't he, this week, I think? Right? Yeah, I know. I, well, that's a bit unfair. I think he's only 698, I think. That's... <laughs> <laughs> so, but just, um, find, just finally, Graham, what, uh, give us a score prediction. I'm going to go for 1-1. One, one. I think um, I, I worry a bit, a bit about the game because I, I do think we're a bit susceptible on the break and I do think you're, you're a good ball playing side I, um, I I think maybe you might score early and we might come back into it a bit um, but I'd go for 1-1 one, one personally Perfect well best of bad luck of course for the weekend uh, You Graham. too Thank no, you no for talking to the 77 <laughs> Club but really really appreciate it It's a pleasure Cheers The Away Perspective what have our opponents got to say? So, nice away perspective there. They're not not overly scared about facing Wolves, but I don't think any left-back, like we said earlier, wants to face Adama Traore at the moment, Harry. No, exactly that. And I'm just looking at the table here, and I'm sure you mentioned the away perspective, but they do find themselves down in 16th. But I do like their manager. When he come in, I was like, but yeah, that's a strange move, but he's done all right for them. And just surviving relegation is good for Brighton. But we discussed, didn't we, three or four podcasts ago if we go into these runner fixtures and get I think we said 10 points would be amazing and we beat um, Bournemouth drew with Sheffield United beat West Ham now we find ourselves going away to Brighton where we can hit that 10 point mark we all wanted and it's definitely winnable mm-hmm. half four on a Sunday Brighton are obviously going to be battling they'll probably fancy themselves but I think they're going to show us some respect but for us to win I hope they don't I hope they come and attack us play their football they like to play and I hope we can go and get the win um, we're good away from home we suit it with our counter-attacking style and I just hope we can do the business and I'm confident we can Jack we don't want to repeat it last season do we? <laughs> no well yes <laughs> no we do not that was the game where they, we lost 1-0 but just God. created chance after chance after chance didn't we if memory serves me right but um, one thing that's actually sort of uh, playing in our favour for one, once this season is the fact that Brighton are playing tonight so we have an extra day's rest over them for once so mm. watch us come out and lose now but um, <laughs> Too yeah, just, yeah, as Harry said when we're talking about those four games as being four potentially winnable games um We've got seven points already. If we can turn it into 10, that's brilliant. Even if we get another one and say eight out of 12, I think that's very good going in really decent form considering. So it's all tough. All games are tough in the Premier League, particularly away games. Brighton will fancy this as well. Obviously, they've had some tough fixtures themselves lately. We don't know how the game against um, Arsenal is going to go tonight. They had a tough one against Leicester at the weekend. So they've been on that 15-point mark for a few games now, I think. But, Liverpool. Um, so we'll just have to see how it goes, really. They'll be up for it and they'll be looking at a game that they can get points from from this, particularly after beating us last season. But I know, I just hope we go and we're up for it and it's not a horrible Sunday 4 o'clock game and then a long trip back for all the Wolves fans. But looking at the form table and looking how we're playing lately, we've we should be looking to get something from this game. And in a word, Harry, unchanged from West Ham? Yeah, I think you've got to. Like we mentioned, bench ain't the strongest. Although Bennett was back on the bench, wasn't he? Um, good to see him back. But I think it will be the exactly the same team, barring injuries. It's got to be, in it? Nuno don't like to change it if he's working. And Jack, actually, in one word? Sorry. <laughs> no, sorry, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only change you could possibly think of making, if there's no injuries, would be Jota for Neto. Mm. Potentially. You know, because um, he came on and did quite well. Patrone okay. for Jimenez? <laughs> no, Perfect. I'm no, Well, no. and if you fancy a bet, of course, let's get your latest betting odds and ticket news. Hi, I'm Cali, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club and it's unbelievable, Jeff. 
Yeah, so yet again, I'm covering the letdown that is Daniel Bayliss. He never turns up these days. Um, I can't remember what he looks like. <laughs> our partners over at Fansbet have going to do very special things, as they always do. So go and check them out if you haven't already. They've sent over a couple of special odds for us, which they've actually improved the odds. We've got Wolves to win 2 0, Doherty anytime. It was 28 to 1, it is now 33 to 1. It's a great That's shout, tasty. I think, that one. And another one, which is just off the... I love 4-1, but this one's a 3-1 Wolves win. Neves any time, so if he bangs in a free kick. Was 43-1, to it is now 48-1. to So that's pretty decent. That's their specials. Get over there, have a look. I'm sure they've got some more stuff, but they're the ones that they've sent over today. I think it's worth a couple of quid of anyone's money over at fansbet.com. Jack has your ticket news at ticketnews.com. <laughs> ticketnews.com. So... Uh, I went online just and there are actually about 20 tickets left for the Brighton game on Sunday. So I don't know if there have been some returns there or maybe some holds that have been released. So jump online, whether they'll still be there when you listen to this, I don't know. But I suppose it's quite a long trip to make at short notice. The Besiktas home game, there's still a fair few left for that if you wanted to go on general sale and uh, good availability in the steep or lower still. Spurs game on the 15th is sold out. Norwich away on the 21st is sold out. Liverpool is on sale to uh, currently to gold and silver away season league holders and is on the points as of Saturday, starting with 1,140. Um, what else we got in there? Oh, yeah, Man City sold out, I believe. Watford, which is the game on the 1st of January. Now, small allocation for that of only 2,204. So currently on sale to the away season league holders on the points as of Saturday, starting with 1,150. And the only other thing to talk about is probably the Man United Cup game. So we got drawn against Man United in the FA Cup, which we might talk about a bit more shortly. But season ticket holders have from between the 7th of December and the 22nd of December to claim their seat. That one has been confirmed as a 5 o'clock kickoff or 5.31 kickoff, actually. (laughs) Yes, random. On Saturday. For mental health awareness, I believe. Yeah, on on the Saturday night. So thank God it's not on Monday night and I'll happily take a Saturday 5.30. That's probably the best we could have got with that because it was always going to be on telly. Perfect. That's your latest betting odds and ticket news. And we will move on now to the English fuck-up. No, that's Prince Andrew. The English FA Cup. Hi, I'm Kelly, Chris Kamara. You're listening to the 77 Club and it's unbelievable, Jeff. So Wolves have drawn Manchester United at home in the third round of the FA Cup. Like Jack just said, it will be a 5.31 kickoff on Saturday, the 4th of January. It's on BT Sports as well. A repeat of the quarterfinal from last year, Harry. Molyneux definitely was rocking that night. Yeah, well, first of all, it's nice to draw a team that are lower league opposition in our league. So I was happy with yeah. that. Um, down the table, I don't think it would be as uh, mad as that quarterfinal. Obviously, different situations, but it's a weird one, isn't it? Because last year we were really loving the FA Cup and then it ended sadly, as we know. But with the Europa League campaign we've got going now, It'd be interesting to see where we're at after this mad Christmas period and whether we actually play a kind of strong team. Because if you think back to the third round last year, we beat Liverpool, but we put out a bit of a mixed team. I know Liverpool went really weak, but we did make a couple of changes. So it'd be interesting to see where we're at with the FA Cup. Obviously, it's a massive cup. It's got massive tradition. But if we want to get in that Europa League and get deep in there, will we take it seriously? That's a million dollar question. Do you want to get deep, Jack? <laughs> I want to get so deep. <laughs> Particularly after we came so close last year. And I mean, we're, we're having some very unlucky ties 
the draw is not favourable to us, really. But then again, we needed a replay to beat Shrewsbury last year, didn't we? Then beat Liverpool and Man United. So this is a great game for us. And I think we've got to go strong. Nuno always goes strong when we're playing a, a strong team. I think it's probably because of the buzz it's going to have globally and uh, the Wolves prop owners probably want to pressurise him mm. to do that, to, to build us as a, as a... Every time we beat Man United, we get a lot more exposure. But yeah, definitely, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a great tie. I wouldn't have minded it in a couple of rounds time rather than in the third round. But... I want us to win a trophy. As soon as we get to 40 points in this league, I'm happy for the season if we go all in in the Europa League and the FA Cup. Because we can keep... I've said, we've had this conversation many times. I, I was going to say, has it changed now. your mind on it? Because I think last year, this time last year, if you were offered uh, staying in lead, qualifying for Europe over a <laughs> cup, you said you'd stay, you'd take the league all day long. But has that cup run and the trip to Wembley and the heartbreak and everything that came with it, has it changed your mind? Maybe I just want to win something. I, yeah, so you do. I, I, want, I want. I want. To, I want to see Wolves do stuff that I've never seen them do before. And playing Europe was all has always been the dream. That was always the dream. And now I've seen that and experienced that, and I'm greedy. I want more. I want Same. silverware too. So <laughs> I want Champions League now, lads. Hey, win, win the Europa League. Yeah, there we go. Done. Win the Europa League. Job done. But like, I agree with Jack. Like I want to see us win something. So if going deep in the FA Cup and potentially getting to the final again affects our league position a little bit and we drop down to about 10th or whatever but then we go deep in the Europa League as well and give ourselves a chance I won't be that annoyed I mean it's all about winning something how long are we going to have Nuno for you know what I mean oh don't how long he's been here three years already (laughs) nothing lasts forever we need to win something with a bloke we were so close last year in the FA Cup we were 20 seconds away oh don't no we're not talking about that right no 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 no. from a final we're we're, we're moving we're moving on now to who's that knocking at the Ballon d'Or Hi, this is this is some daft shite in the high street. I'm speaking to someone who got picked on in school for him ginger hair. Hi, this is Gaza. Welcome to the 77 fucking high street club. Is that right? That jump was minging anyway. Hi, it's Gaza. This is 77 club. A record sixth Ballon d'Or for Lionel Messi. Don't think many people can argue. I with can. That. Well, obviously, you know, you're Cristiano fans, but no, actually no, in the no, last no. year. I think Van oh, really? Dijk deserved it. I think, you think Van, Van Dijk, Dijk yeah. did. He won the Champions League. the league. He won the Champions League, knocking out Barcelona Beating last Tottenham. year. Oh, Barcelona. And uh, Messi has won it about a million times. Yes, he's an absolute genius, but he's not the player he once was. He's still amazing, but he's not peak Messi. Virgil van Dijk become one point off, nearly win the league with Liverpool. And he won the Champions League, knocking out Messi's team. I mean... Because Van Dijk's a defender, that is the reason why he hasn't won it. And that Ballon d'Or competition is very biased towards Spanish La Liga players. That's a good point. I think when you look over the last couple of years, certainly, uh, last almost half generation, um, they've had the monopoly, haven't they, Ronaldo and Messi. Jack, do you agree that Messi should have won it? Are you on Van Dijk's side? I actually agree with Harry. I think, yeah, Van Dijk... When I first watched him play live, I, I, you know, mm. I couldn't really believe how how tall he was and what a presence he was. And I, I agree with everything Harry said. I think it's got something to do with the fact he's not a forward flair player. Obviously, not going to score as many goals as some of the others out there. And uh, a defender. So, yeah, I think he had a great shout. He was definitely the player, best player in the Premier League last season. And Liverpool were better than the team that Messi played in. So, yeah. Uh, it's it's a difficult one, but it's part of a wider question that I wanted to ask, and the only reason I brought it up was was because of this. So I went on some it was a football daily podcast last week, and I said that Nuno wouldn't want to go to Arsenal because they asked me about the Nuno link. Um, I said he wouldn't want to go to Arsenal because 
he doesn't he, he, Arsenal haven't got any world class players to which they go <laughs> oh they got Bamiyang and Lacazette and I said look world class players will get you out of the shit essentially mm. I think that's what makes you world class player it's quite easy to be a brilliant player if you're already a brilliant player in a team that's winning things but when you need to make a difference because actually when I look into it further and I realise that I'm just right all the time <laughs> and it's sometimes a bit exhausting because you, what makes a world class player maybe someone that makes their international squad Lacazette didn't do that France won the World Cup with Olivier Giroud up front like let's Let's move Lacazette to the side. He's not world-class for me. Look at someone like Aubameyang, plays for Gabon. Now, it's not his fault where he's born, and George Best obviously played for Northern Ireland and never went into competitions like internationally. But I think you need to then look at how are they being recognised as being world-class. I think it's because you pay over £60 million for them. And all of a sudden... Sam, the way I define world-class, I think the the term world-class gets thrown around way too often. I think the the term world-class should be, would that player get in your best all-round eleven? Would he get in 4-4-2 or whatever formation you want to play? Would that player be on your starting team sheet if you could pick any player in world football? If he gets into that team, he's world-class for me. Because what, Aubameyang won the Bundesliga under Klopp, I think, from memory. And that's all he's won. And Lacazette came from the French League. I just don't get, I don't get mm. what this thing is about them being world-class because Arsenal at the moment have just sacked their manager after 18 months in the mid-table so I don't I don't I don't understand <laughs> what makes them world class what makes a player world class for you Jack um, it's always a strange one because you think like lots of players play on the world stage or in internationals who are obviously not as great a standard as some others so from an international world level mm, not sure but it's probably just because he plays for a team in the top six and has scored more than 15 goals in the Premier League season but then I suppose when you're doing it on the world stage or on the European stage which um you know, to their credit, Arsenal have done even in the Europa League in recent stages. That's probably why it gets banded around. And if you're the person who's scoring the most for Arsenal, then it's going to be, you're going to automatically be always world-class is world-class. But then again, going back to what Harry said, if someone truly is world-class, these days you don't play for Arsenal because someone comes in from you from Man City or Liverpool or Real Madrid or these players. <laughs> so Arsenal are on to, the top teams come in for world-class players. You know, top he's teams. obviously a very, very, very good player. Or But... If he was that good, he'd be taken away like a Hazard who, you know, probably outgrew Chelsea. So you need, I think you need to be playing for a top side, don't you? Because Harry, we use Van Dijk as an example then. I don't think, he he probably did look world-class at Celtic, but I think he became world-class once he'd proven at the top level with Liverpool. Exactly, yeah. And he'd be in, he'd be in my, obviously, top team. And I don't, some people argue that you're world-class if you do it on like the world stage, but then you'd say, well, fucking Kyle Lafferty, in the qualifiers for Northern Ireland was banging 10 goals in on international yeah. levels. Does well, that make him world-class? It don't. No, you know what it I mean? works both ways. Like I said, <laughs> or Elan's youth in the 2002 David World Healy, Cup. David Healy, Carl yeah, whatever, yeah. you know, that, yeah, have played uh, at international and score, scored goals, but have never qualified for a mm. tournament in that sense. Um, <laughs> quite interesting though, I thought, to, to raise mm. that debate. If you want to get in touch, and actually, if you want to get in touch, just to say, well done, Sam, for pointing that out, because there's, there's no argument <laughs> for it for me. Uh, but what we'll do now is we will leave Jack Williams behind. Bye, everybody. We'll leave Harry Mansell behind. See you, bye. And Gavin is going to play Level Up. All right, Gav. Hi, I'm Matt Murray. You're listening to the 77 Club. 77 Club for life, yo. Gavin, how goes it? It's all good, mate. It's all good. Now, uh, you've pulled over, so you're all safe and ready to I go. I am, I'm cool. I'm, 
Yeah, I'm safe and sound and pulled up. Safety first. Uh, I want to ask you to begin with, when was your first Wolves game? My first Wolves game was about 86. I think it was Cambridge United home, but I don't quite remember the score. I was a bit young, so I think the one I remember is the Sherpa van ah, in 88. Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah, that's the first one which I remember. Right, okay. So that was down to uh, your age, but not being able to remember, not necessarily any alcohol involved. No, no, no. I was thinking about five or six. <laughs> Although it was the 80s, so uh, yes. you never know. Uh, right, okay. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> if you're ready to go, I just want to ask you as well, what do you normally get when you're playing along at home? Um, five or six, usually somewhere in that area. Okay, well, that'll put you second in the table. The path of the course, as you know, is four. So if you're ready to play, let's play level up. Okay. Let's go. Let's play Level Up. Where did Wolves sign Paul Butler from? Um, was it Sunderland? Level 1. Up he goes. Level 1. Good start, Gavin. Number 2. Where will the 2024 Olympics be held? Pass. We're going to pass. Good call. If you had to guess. Um, I've got a clue. Barcelona. It was Paris, so good decision oh. to pass on that one. Number three, who got Wolves second against West Ham this week? Second was Catroni. Level two. Up he goes, Patrick nice Catroni. easy one. Patrick Catroni, of course, level two. Is the record for the longest ever ski jump over or under 200 metres? Under. Level one. Oh, down to level one. It's over. You can blame Bayliss for that question. 253 <laughs> metres. Classic. Uh, number five. Name the two international sides Adama Traore can represent. Um, Mali and Spain. Level two. Up he goes. Level two. Good call. And actually, Mali have got three Adama Traores when he's in the squad. <laughs> so there you go. Pop your name. Uh, number six. Who are currently second in the Premier League? Leicester City. Level three. Up he goes, level three. It's looking good, Gav. Who did Michael McKindo leave Wolves for? Um, I will pass. I'm going to pass on that. It was Bristol City. Still on level three. Name the two teams, beginning with M for Mike, who Lewis Hamilton has raced for. Mercedes and McLaren. Level four. Up he goes, level four. This is looking good. Who was the manager of Wolves after Dave Jones? Um, Glenn Hoddle? Level five. It is Glenn Hoddle. Up he goes. Level five. This for second place, Gavin. Who's the only fighter to beat Andy Ruiz in a pro fight at time of recording? Pass. Going to pass on it. It was Joseph Parker back in 2016. Five. Not a bad score, Gavin. Are you pleased with that? Well, you're beating the 77 club, lads. So if you ever want to place on the podcast, then you're more than welcome. Otherwise, what we'll do is end uh, with a score prediction for Brighton. Uh, I think we will win 2-1. 2-1. And where do you reckon in terms of the Europa League? How far? I'd like to see uh, we can be in our day, so I don't think we go all the way, but I'd be happy with quarterfinals. Quarterfinals, good shout. Well, are you going up to the Brighton game on Sunday? No, I'm going to the Besiktas next Thursday, but not the Brian game, though. Good call. Well, have a great time, and thanks for listening to the podcast, Gav. Okay, take care, mate. See you soon. The 77 Club. The Wolves Podcast for the Gold and Black Army. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.